In this episode of the podcast, I'm joined by two good friends, Pivo Due and Barth Muafo, two guys who grew up in the DMV, have experienced what it's like to be a student athlete, played for the DC United Academy, and we reflect on some of the things that they went through as student athletes. We also talk about how the DC United Academy and the recruiting landscape has changed since they were high school and club soccer players trying to get recruited and trying to get looked at for the next level. They offer a really interesting perspective as uh, two guys from the area that have been through the recruiting process and then went on to play at higher levels. Enjoy. What up, my guy? What's going on, guys? What's up, Forth? How you living? What's up, twin? <laughs> Hanging there. Hanging there. How well do you guys know each other? Why? Uh, <laughs> he said why? I don't even know this guy, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just curious. You? I was just curious more than anything. Because I think nah. like when you set these things up, like for me, I just connect the dots. Well, yeah, Barth and people know each other, right? And then it's yeah. like, well, yeah. well, well, do they? And I'm like, I start thinking more about Barth, it. They might did, hate each other for all I when know. Did, when did I first meet you, Barth? Probably, I think it was like a few years ago in indoor or something. Yeah, indoor. Yeah, we're now. playing indoor, and I was like, "Yo, who's this guy, man, trying to coach me?" Yeah, because everybody, <laughs> everybody always, <laughs> everybody always yeah. asked me if I knew Piva. Nah, we, and they're like, "Yeah, we always play pickup together," and I guess we yeah. always did, but just never interacted. Yeah, yeah, no, I. You guys I knew never he was played together off rip. in the academy. No. Mm-mm. What was the dip? What was the what was the Mm-mm. year difference between you? You know, like, leave him, leave him, Barth, leave him, bro. Get rid of my wine bottle behind you. <laughs> leave him. Already leave recording him. now, man. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, we're 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 on from the from the moment that I hit go. Oh, I did uh, not. Know. I, I'll take out whatever you want. Yeah. Um. Right. No. So what? What's the? Uh, what is the age difference? Though? Like, how how did you guys not interact in the academy at all? No, I don't, I don't think we were there at the same time because I'm in '96. So I know Pebo is a little bit older than me, so. What are you, Pebo? I'm I'm a 91. I'm a late 91. Actually, tomorrow's my birthday, yo. I just oh, remember wow. that. Yeah, um, birthday. Yeah, preach, preach, preach. But I'm a I'm a late 91. So yeah, we definitely didn't um, spend time together in the academy. But it was like I said, what a few years ago, and then that's when we started realizing we were on the same wave, same page. Not just soccer, but like off the field, creating stuff, business, everything. So yeah. No, that's awesome. Tell me about your time in the academy. That's that's kind of how we all met and kind of came together within the last couple of years is when I was working in the DC Academy and Barth was working with me as an assistant. And then Pivo, you were playing with uh, Loudon and then helping coach in the academy and getting some time with the first team as well. So why don't you guys take me back to like your first experiences in the DC United Youth Academy? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll go ahead and share since it was ages ago. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I first first joined the academy in, in 2008, I want to say 2000. Yeah, right before I went to school. Um, and it was really new. It was fresh. Um, You're 16, wasn't 17? much structure, but it was like the next best thing ever. Yeah, yeah. So um, who, I think Richie Burke was the coach at the time. Um, but yeah, came in from playing from club ball and and you know this was a pathway this is what everybody wanted to do to kind of make some noise and try to get a, a homegrown contract and kind of get in with with DC United so it was exciting times um you know we had a pretty good team 
a lot of notable youth, youth national team players that, that came over um, and then played another year before I went to school. Um, and that's when I got converted into a left back. But uh, yeah, it was it was a great time. I mean, going back, going back, meeting up with the academy players that, um, back in the day. I mean, it's it's we always have stories and talk about, you know, the greatest times that we had. Who were the best players you played with in the academy? Hmm. Best players. Um, obviously, Topher Hagnini. Uh, that's one of my, my best friends today. He was a baller. Paul Torres, uh, Maryland guy. Ethan White, obviously Bill. Um, I'm trying to think back in the day. Shane Cook and Sean, like the name would be named. <laughs> Bill was exactly the same, man. He was exactly the same. When I got converted to a uh, left back, I, I, I hated Bill. I hated him. <laughs> Um, but but I loved him at the same time because he really pushed me to become a better left back and a better defender. Um, but you know he he's, he was Bill. He was the same personality, um, great guy. But you know difficult on the field as a defender because you know he's he's, mm -hmm. he's organizing you the whole time. So um, but yeah, there was a lot of great players on that on that squad. What's that like now when like <clears throat> Bill having the success that he's had? in the MLS, a broad national team, when you, when you see him now, what's that relationship like? Yeah, no, happy for him. Always, always happy for, for, you know, the homies and, and people that you play with and, you know, they find success and, you know, I'm, I'm glad he's back here and, and doing his thing and finally back in with the national team, um, you know, with the young group that we have, he's still, he's still, you know, being an influence. Um, so it's good for him, you know, um, he's doing his thing. So can't, can't be, ha can't be more happy for him, you know, finding that success. I'll give you guys a, a quick Bill Hamid story that I think will make you laugh. We, uh, <laughs> it's freezing out. It had to be like a December, early January training session at night, like 7.30, PM at night at RFK on the auxiliary fields. And me and Ryan Martin were out there with our two groups. So it was yeah. 17s and 19s. Might've been a combined session. I forget, but we're like watching the players come in through the gate, setting the session up. And Ryan goes, Jesus, is that Bill Hamid? And I look over and I'm like, what the hell is he doing here? And he, he comes through and uh, he comes up to us, shakes our hand. He goes, you guys mind if I play tonight? And we, it, we just kind of looked at each other and we were like, there's, we have to tell the first team coaches about this. Like we can't yeah. have this guy out here get hurt. And then, you know, we're the ones that are responsible for it. And yeah. um, so he basically, we, we call the coaches, we call Zach Thornton. We tell, you know, Zach gets on the phone with him and he, he tells Zach, he goes, I'm playing, I'm playing tonight. I want to get some touches in, you know, I'll, I'll be careful. <laughs> so basically it gets into like small sided and, we're playing, you know, 77, 99, something like that. And he's, you know, he's doing anything he can to win cheating. He's, you know, telling people they didn't score goals. He's digging balls out as they cross the line and throwing them out, telling, you know, telling the coaches and the players that the, the ball didn't go in. And it was an incredible lesson for the players because it was like, that's why one of the reasons why he made it, you know, like he'll do yeah. anything yeah. to win. He's such it a competitor. Is. He's, you know, he'll do anything. And, uh, you know, then he's like pressuring us to start the, start the games and like, you know, yelling at the coaches. It was, it was incredible. So yeah. it was a really yeah. cool lesson for the players and the coaches, I think on the day, but it's something that really stands out about him to me. De so definitely. He's, he's, he's definitely one of the most competitive players I've ever played with. Um, even like getting called up to the first team these past few um, preseasons, like he's on it. <laughs> he's yeah. on it in preseason. That's his, that's his, time to activate and and get guys organized so uh yeah no shout out to bill
Yeah, for sure. Barth, what about your experience in the academy? How did it start for you? What was it like? For me, um, I know at the time, high school was pretty big for us, right? Everybody wanted to play high school. So I just wanted to get into high school. Um, soccer before, which was like eighth grade. And then when I got to ninth grade is when I believe that the new DA rule came out where you can't play high school soccer and you also can't play um, academy. I remember one day I was playing with Potomac and um, at the time Tom Torres saw me at the, the Maryland soccer plex after a game and he asked me to come try out. Um, you know, I had friends going to, to Oni, um, like Gideon, for example, when we were on the same team, he was going to Oni. Toby Adewale was going to to Bethesda, I think, or he was going to Oni. And and I wanted to 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 find a new team as well. So I decided to go try out for DC um, in ninth grade, which at the time was like U14. Um, Tom Torres is my coach. You know, U15, Chris Ward was my coach with, with Dave Sanford, um, who's now the academy director. Um, but back then, man, now that I look look back at it, it was very, very competitive. Um, I'm not saying I was one of the best players there. By no means, I definitely was not. However, I, I got my fair share of, of, you know, good memories in terms of competitiveness and growing as a soccer player and all these these guys that you look back at now, you're like, wow, that used to be my teammate. I used to play with them and now they're making a big time. So mm -hmm. it, it was great, man, especially in this area in the DMV. I'm sure we'll touch base on this later. It's so competitive that it's like, once you're in that environment, you can't really get mad if you don't play because it's just mm -hmm. coaches have tough decisions. And I can speak for that because, you know, I've experienced both sides. Um, it's, it's really tough out here, especially at the, at the academy. And, you know, I'm sure, again, we'll touch base on this later, but um, the academy for, for the club is it's, it's very different and it's unique, I would say, than a lot of academies around the area or in the MLS. Um, but, yeah, that, that was a little brief, you know, brief explanation of my time at the club. I absolutely loved it. Um, but unfortunately, I had to leave, you know, after junior year around like U16 level, just because I wanted to take matters in my, into my own hands and in, in trying to make it professional or, or make it in the college world at the time. Who was the best players you played with? At the academy or overall? In the academy. In the academy? Wow. Um, I mean, we, we had some pretty good Don't players, man. Don't piss anybody off now. Nah, we got some pretty good players, man. Like, I always thought this is this is random, but I always thought Cody Niedermeyer. If you guys remember him, he played at Maryland. Mm -hmm. Goalkeeper was absolutely unbelievable. At the, you know, then growing up, it was like him and Zach Steffen on the East Coast for like the two best keepers in in our age group. Um, Cody Niedermeyer was unreal. Um, we we had obviously Michael Seaton, who ended up, you know, being being a homegrown signing. Um, the guys that I played with. Just because of my um, of my my age group, um, was like you know you had the Jimmy Dawes, you had the Christian Kershaws, you had Nigel Robinson, you had Indy Nahar's little brother, Christian, um, who was a guy was just unbelievable. We had this one guy, this one African named um, Fofana. Um, I actually don't even I actually don't even know what happened to him in terms of like, you know, playing soccer, but the guy was unbelievable. He was this mm -hmm. African guy, wicked speed so smart very competitive um but you know it just sucks because i actually don't know what happened I, i'm still friends with him on facebook here how many there. players are, are probably that same story though you know like yeah, that's so in a lot good. of ways that's, that's football right and mm -hmm. there's so many players that just disappear but um the other thing i want to talk to you guys about is like and, and barth i've heard you say this before when we've been out there with the players on specifically on like on gear day or when we take trips but like 
how much stuff they have, right? Like compare what the resources are like now compared to, and you guys both laugh when I say it, like compare the resources they have, whether it's Adidas stuff, whether it's, um, you know, trips they take, opportunities they have, eyes that are on them, like compare it now to what it was back then for you guys. Um, I can speak for myself. I don't know about people. It's, it's probably worse, but I remember when I came to try out, we had these, you know, like, you know, track and field players, when the way they had, you identify the track and field players, right? Yeah. Like they um, are paper pinned. with a number. Pinned on to you. Yeah, pinned. That's how they identified us because there were so many kids with so many teams. Even if when you made the team, you have a roster of like 30, 35 kids, you know, you, you're a part-time player. You couldn't tell if you were a part-time player. You couldn't tell if you were a full-time player. But there was just so many, so many. And then now you look back at it. Um, and then when I look back at it, I remember, you know, I was a U14, U15 asking for cleats. Where mm-hmm. I had, I was looking at the U18 squad, those guys only got one pair of boots on one pair of running shoes. And usually that came around like the GA time, J Cup time from Adidas. And now, now it's, you know, fast forward to today as a coach, when I look at these kids, they, they get two pair of boots and the runners and all this gear. And the roster isn't that big and there's a little bit more coaches and you, you know, it just adds on from gear to, to roster size, to attention, all that matters, believe it or not, into your development. Yeah. And into, you know, potentially morph you to the person that you are today. Um, you also, you also look at where, where you're training right now with the, with the teams, right? Barth, you're in a, yeah. you're training every day in a professional, you know, <clears throat> on a professional field in a professional stadium where Pebo just got done playing with loud and United and like just the training facilities. I also have to imagine, you know, the recruiting access, the videos, all these players have that are, that's around, but Pebo, what's your take on that? Everything yeah, that I mean, they have now said- compared to what they had. <laughs> Yeah, like I said, when I when I joined uh, the academy back in the day, um, you know, it was, it was the best thing ever. So we were just excited to have the badge mm-hmm. on our on our two training shirts that we would use for the whole year. <laughs> um, but never never got any like boots or runners, anything like that. So when I see it today, obviously like a little bit salty and jealous that I wasn't a part of that. <laughs> but at the same time, it's like like Bar said that that you know feeds into the development like you're, you you want to be a pro like you know be treated like a pro you know to an extent um but yeah I just remember uh that, you know that question brought up a, a, a memory of one of the parents we had our orientation meeting and you know they're going over like the logistics for the season and um you know just just nailing everything that's important and one of the player the players dads raised his hand and he's like I got a question man and he, and I think it was uh who was it? It was Richie at the time. He's like, what's, what's what's going on? He's like, yo, who's giving the players haircuts? Like, what's going on with it? <laughs> Everybody just started dying laughing, and uh, we were just like, yo, he was dead serious. That's, that's just it's dead serious. <laughs> he was dead serious. The player was so embarrassed. He was like, dude, like, come on, pop. Oh, like, all the players serious. were there too. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. That's terrible. Players were there. You did just, live that one down, man. No, never. We, till till this day, we will we will always like bring that story up to to our mans. But uh, it's just funny times, man. Funny yeah, times. it's memories like that, right, that make it so cool and so special. Yeah. And I think that's uh, I think correct me if I'm wrong, Barth, but like I think that's why it's so cool for you to come out there and coach these guys. Is like you see, and and I saw it when I was there, right? <clears throat> you see the memories they're making, and like we travel across the country or even like a trip up 
to you know Philly or or New York, some of the trips that you've been on, right, where you see these guys and the the experiences that they're having and the um, just the opportunities that they have. But like, I think another opportunity that's there that wasn't there when you guys were there is 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 Loudon United, right? And Pebo, you came back. It's weird because you came full circle back to Loudon when it was in your hometown and you had to basically travel around the country just to then come back here where it's like, what would it have been like if that was here when you were a, a youth player, you know, and like yeah. how much earlier could you have potentially been a pro in your hometown? So just speak about that for, for both you guys, whether it's Barth, you like looking at it from players that you're seeing getting opportunities with Loudon or the first team or Pebo, just like what that experience has been like, you know, for you all, all along. Loudon is a, Loudon is a um, is a blessing disguised in today's game or in today's environment. And what I mean by that is like when, when I look back at the, at the guys that I played with, like Sully Denko, you know, former Maryland, uh, Mikey Sowers, former Maryland, right? All these guys could have easily made it professional. Back then, you know, it's either you had it to be good enough to get a homegrown contract, or you didn't. You went off to college, right? Um, and then when you look at it now with with Loudon United. With the, some of these guys, it's like, okay, we know you have it in the academy, and you, we, you, we know you have that potential to to make it for the team, but now we have Loudon to use as a resource to, okay, you can get some experience here, you can get some some next-level training in terms of professional, um, whereas back then, man, it's either, all right, are you a pro, are you ready for a pro, or you're not? Um, so that, that's the biggest benefit with Loudon. And, and like you said, Coach, I, I truly believe if Loudon was here, five, seven, eight, ten years ago, we would have probably, as a club, East United would have probably made more homegrown signings than, than they currently have. And, and right now, they're still second in the league in history with, with the most amount of homegrown signings. So that just puts it in perspective on how much talent there is around this area. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, I completely agree with that, that statement. But, um, you know, like, like I mentioned, I went to, I was on the same uh, academy team with a lot of guys who actually went, you know, homegrown. Mm-hmm. The signing, Bill, Ethan, Andy, um, Shanowski, um, and there was still a handful of us that were, you know, up there kind of in the running and had that communication with the, you know, Caspers and, you know, Ben and, and just having that conversation. But I, I completely agree about that. Even even going to West Virginia, like, you know, William E. Tuck, Travis Pittman, Eric, like these guys are, are we're all potentially MLS players. And I think having that platform to kind of develop and help and, and kind of guide into that pathway would have been uh, essential uh, and, to have. You know what's crazy? Like people right now in the academy, you know, uh, obviously a lot of is about to start preseason. As coaches, we're looking at like, all right, who do you think, you know, have the ability to make the next jump, right? And then now we're able to, for the second half of this season, we might be able to push some guys up there to let, to let them test the waters to see what it's like, right? Um, whereas back then, man, it's either you had it or you didn't. And that, mm-hmm. I think that's the huge difference. You know, we're able to say, okay, like these top three, four or five guys from the 17s or the older groups that, that we have, we just push them up there a little bit, get that, get what that experience is like. Cause a lot of these guys, they think, you know, oh, you know, I've made it. I think I can make it. I think I can make it until they actually get hit in that environment. They're like, oh crap, you know? Yeah, they got to go drown a little bit, right? So they got to go into that environment where they're competing against, you know, Peebo or, you know, Elvis or or guys Mm -hmm. that are like, well, I don't really, you know, give a shit about this (laughs) academy kid. It's like, I want to play this weekend too. And, you know, it's like they're welcoming to a certain extent, but then 
it's still a professional team and guys are getting paid to play and they mm-hmm. want the next contract or they want to play on, on the weekend and, and, and win and things like that. So, um, yeah, so I think that's, I think you guys said it really well. And it's just so cool to get the perspective of a player who you guys have such a unique perspective. That's why I wanted to do this because not only did you play in the Academy, but now you're back involved in some capacity, whether it's Pebo, you know, kind of just transitioning out and dipping his toe into the coaching world or, or you Barth fully immersing yourself into the coaching world. Now it's just so cool to get your guys' perspective on that. Um, I, I want, I want to kind of rewind to tell me what you guys remember about when you were, you know, uh, Barth Arvid's age, Isaiah's age, these guys age, Maddie's age, and you're, getting recruited tell me what it was like when you guys were getting recruited and going to these showcases and playing on the weekend looking down the sidelines seeing all the coaches and and you know thinking like I got a ball out today or what that was like for you guys what do you remember about that process yeah I mean (laughs) I was I was on a a show the other day and we were talking about that whole uh recruiting process and I was explaining uh to like young like freshmen sophomores the whole process and I was like to be quite honest with you, like my my particular situation was a little bit unique because, you know, you know, coming from club to academy when it was brand new, every college coach was like licking their chop. Like you get a letter, you get a letter, you get like just handing out letters for recruiting. And I remember like to this day getting getting a golden like fancy letter from UCLA and thinking, oh, I'm about to go to UCLA, like, like, you know, but it was, it was, for me, it was definitely helpful to be in the academy because like you said, showing up to the, the, the showcases and every college coach, youth national team coach or scout are just there just watching you. And, you know, luckily I was, I was on a pretty good team. So a lot of us got communication with coaches and, and, Honestly, to this day, I, I I think that's the reason why I was able to go to school uh, and play D one. But uh, yeah, no, it was it was a amazing experience um, just from that perspective in terms of getting recruited. Um, that was pretty cool. That was pretty awesome. Are you saying like you felt like everybody was kind of getting the, the same letter and it was almost like watered down in some ways, where it was like they were just given the same communication to everybody or was it like specific to where it was like people we liked you for these reasons we want you versus we don't want the next player on dc united was it like that so so the re the like i think that's a perfect question because the schools that i actually had um, like a handful of that i was actually considering those are the ones that i could, could like after being filtered out from all the other ones mm-hmm. that i felt like they were genuine about my services like marlon leblanc was very genuine about my services specific right like he was giving yeah going to like this this and this exactly like he told me the whole plan the whole map this is why i want you this is what you know my plans for you this is what it is and you know even with my my grade situation like he he remained by my side and and pushed me Mm -hmm. to kind of like push myself to do better academically um so i just felt that love my family felt that love um but yeah there were times where i was like you know, get communication and then, you know, talk to a teammate and be like, oh, he's talking to you too. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, yeah. I mean, it's no, no hard feelings. It is what it is. It's a process, but it's always good to feel that love and, and kind of like, you know, feel special about being recruited. Cause you don't, the the worst situation is you don't want to ever be recruited and then have to transfer somewhere. Like, sure. Obviously we'll have different reasons for transferring, but like, you just want to make sure you have as much control as you can, you know? Sure. And Barth, by this time you were down in Florida, right? You were in Mount Verde at this point, not with DC anymore, but go through the recruiting process for you. Yeah. Um, 
So if I just backtrack a little bit at DC, like honestly, I did not know anything about college recruiting until maybe the 10th grade. Um, so 10th grade, that's what, like 04. And I came into this country, in, I mean, 10th grade is in 2010. And I came into this country in 2004. So like, you know, uh, my parents weren't highly educated on how to get into college with, with athletics. Um, I just kept playing soccer because I thought I was thought I was good at it. I thought I was developing every year and I just wanted to go pro, like I mentioned, um, just like everybody else. So once junior year, junior year hit, um, I started thinking like, like, okay, um, I need to go to college. Actually, not even once junior year hit, around like sophomore year, end of the year, I wasn't eligible to play high school soccer junior year. Again, like I just didn't care about school. I wanted to go pro. I, you know, I was one of those kids that just like had bad grades. Like I'll admit it. Um, so once that hit, I was like, all right, well, I, I need to find something like, is it, are you going to go pro or are you going to go to college? And again, I absolutely had no idea what I was doing, but luckily enough for me, um, I had a, a mentor who was helping me out at the time. Um, so I looked, I looked at my options. I looked at all these, all these guys that we had at DC, you know, like Suli, Mike, Donovan Pine, Steven Gandy. Like we're talking to all these kids on our, on our team that were going um, big 10 or ACC schools. Um, and so what I did was, you know, I just took the, I just took the bull by, by its horn and, and did it my way. Um, I was going to, I was thinking about going to Germany to a club, um, called FC Kaiserslautern for trials. Um, but my American passport didn't come in on time. So then the plan B was to enroll into Mount Verde Academy down in, um, down in Orlando, um, over there, knew nothing about them. All I knew was, was that they were the best team in the country. And it was their third year, and then they were undefeated the first two years. Um, and that they also placed kids into college. And if they don't go to college, they go pro. So that was my that was my route. Um, spent my last year, senior year at Mount Verde, where the recruiting process was very, very dope. It was very cool. Um, it's, there's not a place, I mean, it's, it's very few places in the country where you wake up or, or you're involved with soccer 24, six days a week, pretty much. And when you're training, you have coaches come to you and there, there's coaches filled in the stands every day, every day for recruiting. Um, so that was really cool. So there was, all, there was always an eyes on you um, for you to, to hopefully make it in, in college world. Um, and they did a pretty decent job at Mountain Verde with, if I'm not mistaken, they have like either around like a 90%, if not 95%, you know, college placement rate, rate mm -hmm. there. Um, so it's just like a, a, a pool of talent down there. So that was my recruiting process to get into college um, without knowing anything. And then, um, so you end up deciding to go to Gardner-Webb. Peebo, yeah. you decide to go to WVU. Barth, you end up transferring after a couple years. So like walk yeah. me through like once you guys get there and like, you know, you maybe the differences between uh, academy, high school, and, and, and college soccer, things like that. Barth, for you also, like, you know, why did you transfer, things like that? Yeah, for me, uh, uh, I remember I went to my, I went on an official visit, obviously, obviously to a few schools, FIU, um, Clemson, um, University of Dayton, and I had, I was about to commit to University of Dayton, actually, until I remember vividly not going to drop no names, but I had a former teammate of mine from, from time that we didn't see eye to eye, right? We didn't see eye to eye. And when I got to Mount, when I got to Dayton, I got my scholarship revoked actually, um, because I was, I was accused of stealing the phone and I put the pieces together and I guaranteed to this day, I still bet it was the kid who 
put it on me. So I got my, oh. my scholarship revoked from University of Dayton um, and I was going to commit there. So last minute resort, I'm sorting around trying to figure out where I'm going to go to college and Gardner Webb kicks in. Um, the reason why I didn't go to Clemson was because it was the, the contract that they provided me was too much um, after, you know, for my parents to pay afterwards. So I said, mm -hmm. OK, I'm going to go to a small school, work my butt off and, and transfer. So Gardner Webb. So you kind of in. entered in with the idea that I'm going to transfer. Correct. I had it. I already had it entered in. Um, Garden Web called in. I had to skip senior year prom to go on an official visit just to see, like, okay, like, you know, this is it. We're talking. This senior year prom is towards the end of the school year. It's like a month away from school being done. So, mm -hmm. so you still hadn't committed late, yet. Yeah. Yeah. That's how late I was. I was looking to to get into college. And then once I got there, uh, you know, the coach was very conservative. You know, he was like. I'll, I'll get you through school. Um, you know, you get a full scholarship. We're going to build around you, this and that. You know, I was loving it. Not really knowing, again, how the whole college process works. Mm -hmm. But I committed there. Committed to, to Gardner-Webb. Um, but, again, I had the mindset of, I'm going to Gardner-Webb to either go pro or to transfer, right? Um, in between my time at Gardner-Webb, I had some trials overseas that we'll touch base on later on. Um, but spent a year and a half at, um, at Gardner-Webb. And then in the meantime, while I was at Gardner Webb, I was still communicating with um, UNC Charlotte, um, North Carolina Chapel Hill, um, still communicating with Maryland and Sasha and those guys. But then um, I was also looking at Akron. Um, and I was also looking at Akron because I recall in 2010, obviously when they won the national championship and in 2011 when they lost to, I believe it was either Charlotte or UNCC. Um, I love the school. I love the way they play. I, I did a lot of research on Caleb, you know, um, death by a thousand passes. Like, that's what I wanted to get involved in. And funny how the world works. My brother was going to VCU at the time. He ended up transferring to Akron for a civil engineer. So while he was there, he was putting the word in for me at the same time with, with the coaches there. Um, you know, so I did my time at Gardner Webb, put some clips up and I took, again, once again, I took the recruiting process on my own. Like when I tell you, I emailed roughly about 180 coaches in the country just to blast out my stuff, just to get a transfer. I did that. And to this day, I still have like a plan of how I went about it. I still have emails. I still have notes of every single school, every single coach that I had, you know, to contact. Even in my phone, I still have all these coaches in my phone that I was just mm -hmm. blasting out calls for, for transfer. Um, but I, I understood who Akin was. Uh, understood, you know, if I wanted to go pro, I have to challenge myself. Whether it's going into, um, even that, even if that meant going into a school like Akron, and I put all the chips in, in my basket and I, and I challenged myself. So that's why I decided to go. Um, decent scholarship in terms of academically, and the school wasn't expensive, and also they also breed pros. So it was like a, it's a perfect scenario for me. And my brother went there, so everything just fell into place for me. Um, and that's how I was able to, to get into college. Did you contact more, more coaches when you were looking to transfer or more coaches when you were in high school looking to, get, I, looking to find a school? When I was looking to transfer, when I was in high school, I didn't contact any coach. Because it was kind of getting spoon-fed to you. It was, it was yeah. getting given to you. You were yep. spoiled. Exactly. So yeah. like when you're in a, an environment like Mount Verde, uh, that's the great thing about there. They, they have a lot of resources. I mean, the, the name speaks for itself, you know, both – um, basketball and and soccer, even baseball, they place mm -hmm. a lot of a lot of guys in the professional ranks. So, 
um, the resource out there was was great for me to to evolve and, and make it into college. Sure. Yeah. People, how many how many coaches did you contact? If you look back, like you uh, actually honestly, doing the recruiting process yourself. Yeah, honestly, like before joining the academy, just a few, and then it was you know the other way around. They were they were emailing, so yeah. it wasn't very difficult. Um, kind of like reach out and stuff like that, but. Um, yeah, once I got to West Virginia, I mean, it was, it was awesome. It was a dope process. Like a lot of people think of West Virginia, they're like, why on earth would you go to West Virginia? (laughs) (laughs) But like, you have to go, you just have to go there. Some people Mm -hmm. like, some people don't like my parents love Morgantown. They'll, they'll go to Morgantown without me now. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a, it was a, a nice environment for me, you know, far, far away from home, but not too close. You know what I'm saying? Um, once I got there, there was one, there was like four other guys from the DMV in my class. So I had the squad roller with me. And sure enough, you know, we, we put in the work and, and, you know, first game come UCSB, we're all starting. Um, so it was, it was a really good experience to have like my brothers with me, like, you know, going through this new process of, you know, new location, new school, new environment. Cause I know a lot of that stuff can affect, you know, a, a player a lot, you know, and influence how he actually is. So it was good um, to kind of like have them with me and then kind of like set the tone for for the next four years or next three, three years after that, you know. Yeah, talk for about sure. that mentality a little bit, people, because, you know, a lot of people always think, at least back when we were going to college, people always thought like, oh, yeah, it's, you know, freshmen have to wait the term type of mentality. You know, I didn't personally, I didn't have that. I can share that a little bit later on, but talk to me a little bit about that mentality that you had going on when you were going. To oh, school. yeah. So, so three, I think three of us came from the, the academy. So me, Ulm, Travis Pittman came from the academy. So we already had the, you know, DMV mentality of like, correct. doesn't matter that we'll get, we got to go get it. It doesn't matter whose team I'm on. doesn't matter how old I, like I, I'm going for the dub. Um, so we got there and I'm sure we were viewed as arrogant to like other people, upperclassmen. I don't think I was ever out of line or disrespectful, but, but I'm sure, I'm sure, you know, I was looked at as arrogant by, you know, some of the other players. Um, and also I got to mention that West Virginia, before we came in, we like the previous two seasons, they, they weren't doing so well. Are you the in two, the Mac at this point or not? No, they're still in the big East. Okay. So the two seasons before we came in, before 09, they weren't doing well. And then the two seasons before that, they were really good. Like they were making it to the Sweet 16, um, upsetting a lot of like top 10 schools. Um, so Marlon was like, look, I'm just looking for players that want to come in and put in work. And, and that's what we did. We came in, we, we saw opportunity. We just, we were ourselves. We had the mentality of, um, you know, just going to get it. And, and you know, obviously we weren't perfect players, but, uh, I think the culture definitely changed when we came in um, in regards of like, like I remember we would stay in the summer and we would have summer training sessions and they wanted to do young versus old. So we said, all right, let's do young mm-hmm. versus old. And and young guys would always be on top and we would let them know <laughs> that we were about it, you know? Um, so I think that mentality was key, not just for me to succeed at West Virginia, but to succeed at, you know, as a professional, because, um, once I went to Phoenix, it was kind of the same similar situation. It was a, um, an expansion team, um, but there were a lot of older players. I was like one of the youngest. I was still twenty when I I was twenty when I graduated. Um, but 
yeah, I, got, I went in and I was like, look, like I want to be a pro. So I can't just sit back and, and, and kind of just see what happens. So I just, you know, yeah. I was myself kind of got after it, did the things that I needed to do. Um, and, you know, it, it turned out for me. And I think that was the foundation of like, you know, the career that I had. So. No, that's funny. The reason why I asked that is because man, like, obviously you didn't move as much as I did. And, you know, going from, from here to Mount Verde, to Gardner Webb, to Akron, every place taught me something different. So the reason why I asked that, I remember this funny story. Um, when I was leaving Mount Verde Academy, I was going through an, an injury in my in my shins, or in my, I believe my shins or my knee. And I was only clear that summer. However, going into preseason, I was like, I was 17 year old freshman, you know, um, I remember the coach telling me how he was gonna build around me, do this, do that, do that. So like, I wasn't coming in and waiting for my turn, right? Like. I was off the, the first three days for preseason. I couldn't train because they were still waiting for papers to transfer until I was cleared. And my first ever college practice, this my, one of my favorite stories I love to tell was I get into it after three days off, I smacked it. I'm playing center back. I hit the, um, the center forward. Uh, he was a junior at the time. I smacked him and he gets so mad. The coach, the coach walks up to me. He's like, hey, listen, I know you've been eager to like play, but you need to stay on your feet. It's only preseason. I looked at the coach, I said, no disrespect coach, but I didn't come here to just sit the bench or, or wait for my term as any other freshman. Straight like that. And then he's like, that's why I brought you here. We're gonna need like, to transfer. That, that's my, We're gonna yeah, need to transfer. My, you got papers waiting at your locker. <laughs> <laughs> so that was my mentality. That's why I transferred. <laughs> because when I was coming from, from, from DC United, you know, I was a starter at the academy and going to Mount Verde with all these kids, they were so good. I was humbled at Mount Verde, yeah. man. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. like. I, I sat the bench. These kids was unreal. A lot of them right now play pro, or a lot of them play D1 in like big ACC, ACC, Big Ten, and Big 12 schools. So, you know, I, I already came from this, this mentality of like, you know, like I'm not waiting because I always had this saying in my head that my high school coach told me. Um, his name is Arnold Tarzi. You might know him. Yeah. He always said, if you're good enough, you're old enough. And I, I've always kept that since freshman year because I remember sophomore year. Is when he pulled me up a little bit of varsity. I mean, some some time here, blah blah blah. You know, junior year I played with him in varsity, but that was always always the same, and I, I've kept that ever since. If you're good enough, you're old enough. So I just didn't want to just you know come in and just wait on the bench until it was quote unquote my turn. You know, I, I wanted to be I wanted to start, especially after all the things he told me during my visit and and all that. Um, but yeah, so that's why I was asking like what your mentality was, and and that paid off, right? Like I, I, was, I became a starter freshman year for some time until I got injured and then I fell out of the, the lineup. But with that mentality coming in, a lot of people think going into college is like, oh no, I'm going to college at a big school, but I can always wait until sophomore, junior, mm -hmm. senior year to play. No, that, that's not it. How, how, how eye-opening was it when you guys got there and you were like, wow, this actually is really competitive though. Like, cause I think when you are the top dog on or a very good player on an academy team or a high school team, you know, Montfort, whatever it is, you look around and you're one of the best players. And then you just, I think you just expect to go and it to just happen seamlessly at the next level. Right. So like how, how eye opening was that transition where you no, do no, have to compete. You, you're not the, the yeah. big dog in the room anymore. Stuff like that. No disrespect to, to, to my, to my original school Gardner Webb, but and that's, what, that's why I, yes, I did have the mentality of going in there and then potentially transferring later, but that's why I transferred because the mentality just wasn't there in terms yeah. of, 
and you don't always get it right so maybe that no. was a situation where you don't every situation isn't like that and right. i think that you, you you know we would be silly to, to say that every school is always going to be like dc united's academy montverde's academy montverde's academy these are competitive places where sometimes you go somewhere and it might be not the same level or it's not going to be what you need so maybe barth that's what that's you're telling me that's what you experienced yeah, that's what I experienced. Um, again, no disrespect to those guys because they were a great group of guys. But as a team and from a coaching standpoint, we, you know, we didn't we didn't have anything. We didn't we didn't play a certain way. Yeah. And that's what frustrated me because I was coming from from DC. I was coming from Mount Verde where they were teaching me tactics. Um, you know, and getting to there, once I got there and I started understanding, like you know, the coach had been there for over twenty some years. He went six years one time, not not in total, but like I mean, not not back to back to back, but consecutively without winning the game. But he's still mm-hmm. there. So I just put two and two together, and I and I realized it. But to answer your question, um, I got that when I got to Akron. Mm-hmm. You know, I go from starting at Gardner Webb. Some games, like freshman year, I was pretty much a starter. Sophomore year, I was just starting here and there. Um, but when I once I got to Akron. It's a whole different story, man. Sure. So you're talking, you're talking kids that, you know, when I was there, you're talking this. We had a midfielder coming from La Masaya, right? Who, who spent his time there. We we had a a winger who was the backup to Jordan Ivan and Raheem Sterling from Liverpool, right? You have a uh, this is Sam Gainford. You have a midfielder in Rich Larea, who who's now at Toronto. You have Adam Najum, who used to play for for Union and, and national team, and then our back line was just stacked. Right. So I'm, and then we have this this holy midfielder, his name um people, I don't know if you know him, but he played for Pittsburgh. Um, Victor Soto, Brazilian guy, holding midfielder. You know, so I'm going in there like, man, like, okay, like I'm going to a school and I need to, you know, I'm thinking like, all right, I've got this. Nope. Nope. I was not even near fit, right? Like the mentality that I was taking from Garner Webb to, to Akron. I'm like, if I take that, I'll make it. That was not the case. Akron was just a different mm-hmm. place. And then that's why a lot of people make fun of me for, for talking about that, that place a lot. But it's if special. you love soccer, mm-hmm. you love soccer and you really want to make it and you really understand the game, you understand a place like that, like that, like Akron is a different, different, different place. And that's sure. why they're successful. And I think the other thing to, to mention, it's probably a good time to say it too, is like everybody, I hate it when I hear kids and, and, parents say well I want to play division one and -hmm. it's like just in this conversation look at how many tiers of division one we've already talked about whether I think we can all agree probably Akron in this conversation is probably tier one and -hmm. then West Virginia probably would have been you know second and then you have Gardner Webb that probably would have been third but it also that always changes right and it just takes the new coach or the the next recruiting class to come in and jump Gardner Webb to jump West Virginia or Marlin to leave. And then West Virginia slides a little bit or Akron wasn't always up there. Right. Caleb kind of had to come in there and push Akron higher. Right. Like my older cousins played at Akron for Ken Lola, who uh, was at Louisville for a while. And like Mm -hmm. Akron wasn't always Akron. Like Caleb came in there and really changed things. And then Jared kind of kept it where it was. So I think from that side of it, it's like, it's not enough in my opinion to say, I want to play division one. I think players need to say, I want to play at this tier of division one and then figure out if they can do that, you know, or I want to play at this school because of these reasons, you know? So if you want to go play division one, you know, if you want to play at Akron, that's playing division one, but why are you going to play there? Well, I want to play there because I like the business school. I like how they play football. I like the coach. 
I got two teammates that are there. Like, I think players just need to be more specific with why they want to play certain places, mm-hmm. you know, but yeah, Barth, um, Barth, what, what, um, in terms of like the team culture, because when I think of Akron, when I played them, like I'm thinking of like the Teal Bunburys, the, uh, Empires, the, uh, Arlington, Nagby. how, how was the team culture? Like, how did you guys sustain that, you know, after the years when they were so successful? Yeah. So they, they won in 2010 and I got there in 2015 for three years. Uh, the way we sustained that is we always go back to the roots, especially with a guy with Jared, who was there when all the success was coming up. Jared was Caleb's assistant. So he knew what it was to, to get over the hump and be successful. And by no means is he letting that happen, slip, you know, why he's in charge, I can guarantee you that. So that was our culture. We always talked about the people that paved the way. And, and you know, when we clubs always talk like big clubs, for example, like United, Liverpool, they all talk about their past, right? And that's why these clubs are so success, successful. And that's the same thing with Akron. They, we always talk and fight about um, the past and people that paved the way for us. And back then it was a no losing mentality. And that's the same thing to carry on to today. Um, the competitiveness there, man, like, you know, you, you can have a player, you can have a team, I'm, I'm sorry, a roster that has three, four, five players deep in that position. And it's just like coach talked about, is it's up to you. Do you want to go to a school where you sit the bench and wait two years? Do you want to go to a school where you want to be a starter? You want to go to a school where you can challenge yourself and, and do X, Y, Z. I took it upon my hands of like, I love the game so much and I wanted to be in a winning environment, whether that was playing every single minute or not. I wanted to, to know what it felt like to, to play at the highest level. And I, I can, I myself can say I, I've accomplished that just because of the people that I've played with and, and where I've, where I've played. And then, you know, we were successful. My, my three years there, two college cup semifinalists, you know, three conference conference um, championships and two regular season. Life flex, life flex. Yeah, I know, right? Like we, we, we did we, we did some time. So I, I'm just proud of like being able to say I play there because until you've played at a program like that, um, you, you don't you don't understand what I mean. And you you understand what I mean because when you were there at West Virginia, no disrespect to you guys, but you guys were better then than you guys what you guys are now. West Virginia was a big school when you were there, man. You guys were you guys were top 25, top 20 schools. Yeah. You understand what I mean by that? I think the I think the conference has a lot to do with that as well. That um, too, for sure. Up. I mean, even, I'll, I'll be the first one to admit when we first my senior year when we switched to the MAC. I mean, we we looked at it like like we're going to be winning it every year. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so I mean, <laughs> it, it was definitely eye opening too. So mm-hmm. yeah. What's play. the um? <clears throat> what was I going to say there? The um, the the culture is a big uh, a really interesting piece. It, uh, people that you bring up but then it made me think about too Barth like why do you think you had to go to Gardner-Webb to realize that that's what you needed and what you wanted versus having that that knowledge when you were in high school to be like this is what I want I want to definitely be a part of a winning culture or did that those coaches just not come or just didn't work out like you know what I'm saying like yeah. why why couldn't you get to an Akron from high school or you know, was it just like the pieces not coming together, like the Clemson situation? Because I see that too, where like players transfer a lot. And yeah. I, I wonder if it's because they get somewhere and they're like, well, this isn't what I wanted, or it's because they didn't do enough homework in the recruiting process before they got to that first school. What do you think? 
Um, I could only speak for myself. Um, and that's why I was mentioning earlier that I just didn't know. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't, you know, they, they came to me like here, full scholarship. Um, because at the time my, my mom, my mother wasn't working. How do you turn it down? Right. Yeah. She, she wasn't working for, for four years. So I, I had to find a way to, to get to college and, and work to pay itself. So it's two years of full scholarship helped me tremendously for mm-hmm. sure. So th- that was my reason. And then the reason why I also decided to transfer uh, was because, again, I was coming from DC United Academy. Before that, I was coming from Potomac, you know, where we actually, like, in this area, we try to play soccer, right? And then DC and then Mount Verde. So I'm going, it's increasing. My, my game is increasing. And then once I hit to, to my, my first school on the web, it just, it was stagnant, right? It, it was stagnant. So, and I knew, I was like, yeah, this is the same for me. This is not for me. Um, great friends there, you know, the environment just just wasn't there. Um, the culture as well, just it just couldn't, it didn't hit home um, in comparison to the past two coaches that I was at. And I think that's why I um, I was able to transfer. Or I wanted to transfer because some, like you said, some people do it differently, right? Because they realize, hey, I'm not gaining enough playing time or, you know, I don't like the way the coach treats me or whatever the case may be. But for me, I just, I wasn't educated on how mm-hmm. college work and all that stuff. Sure. No, and that's kind of the, the big the big push for me to keep doing this, you know, is um, to educate players and parents on that process. And I think it, it hits home when they hear it from guys like you that have lived it, you know, and, and, and to hear whether it was a mistake somebody made or to learn from, you know, players doing things the, the right way or, you know, taking steps the, the right way, you know, in their process or learning as they go, like you, Barth, to, to learn that you wanted something else. I think that's, there's a lot of knowledge there for, for players and parents to, to take away from. Um, so I also really want to hear about your guys' professional experiences and your experiences abroad. So people take me through that. Like your, your last game is over at West Virginia. I don't know if like that process to play pro started before that or what that, but you've been on an incredible journey with some of the clubs you've played for, you know, all around the country. Take us, take us through how that started and some of those experiences. Yeah. Um, so like I just had the mentality afterwards. Um, so what happened at West Virginia is my freshman year, I played striker four, five, one. I was a, the, wow. The I didn't striker. know that. Yeah. And then we switched to a four, four, two. I played up top and then it wasn't up until my senior year where I started playing left back again. So I enjoyed it, had a great year, a um, few assists, few goals. So I was like, oh, you know, like this is, this is, um, you know, somewhere where I enjoy playing. And I remember Coach Coach Brian Johnson, BJ Johnson, used to coach RSL when they won it. Uh, I think he, he did some national team scouting as mm-hmm. well. But I remember he pulled me aside and was like, if you want to have a career, like as a soccer player, you'll play left back. Like you'll be a left back. It was just that black and white. Like, yeah, he was like, left back is your, your spot. Like, that's where you, if they ask you, you're left back. <laughs> so I was like, when I, you heard I, that, did it offend you? Or were you like, you don't No, because no, I, I enjoyed it. Like I could get four. I was, I was like in my senior year. I remember I had the best time because we played a diamond and I was just going, going overlapping would always have cover from the center back and that, and that defensive midfielder. And I was just going and that's how I was able to, to influence the game and, and have so many assists. I think I had like four or five assists that year. Um, so I was like, yeah, left back it is, baby. It was good. <laughs> uh, so, so um, unfortunately, like it was kind of confusing to a lot of scouts and people were like, what, where, like, what player, like what kind of player are you? Whatever. So I got, I got invited to a few combines and I remember going to um, Colorado uh, Rapids combine. 
like senior senior invite only whatever um for guys who weren't necessarily in the the draft conversation mm-hmm. and i remember doing well like really well had assists defended well like and i remember at the time steve cook who was a, i think he was assistant coach at the time we had a conversation and he was like look we like you we don't know what's gonna happen in the draft but like stand by you know what i'm saying and i was like hell yeah like yeah mls like I'm happy to get invited to a preseason at this mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. So the agent that I'm working with at the time, big dog Remy, um, he's like, look, man, like I can send you overseas. Like, let me know what you want to do. And I was like, I want to wait. I want to wait to see what happens. Um, long story short, didn't end up getting drafted or anything like that. No preseason invite was blown. And, you know, the kind of the window for me to go overseas when I circled back with Remy, it was it didn't look that great. So I was like, all right, I, I'd rather just kind of try to go on trial with the team here in the USL or whatever. And that's when I went on trial with Phoenix. And uh, fortunately, they, they ended up signing me after a few days. Um, but if there was an opportunity to go overseas, I definitely would have tried it. Um, there was a there were a few that circled back later in my career. But at that point, I was, you know, I understood the USL. I understood, you know, I was trying to make it to the MLS. I feel like that would have been my best you know, option to kind of, you know, stay in that USL and grind and, and get seen by a coach here domestically. But, uh, you know, definitely regret not having the, the proper opportunity to go overseas. Did you, uh, did you not play for NYC or am I, am I mistaken? Yeah. So, so I did, I played for them for like, like two weeks, a week and a half. Cause really? so what happened when I played for Wilmington, we had that, uh, USL partnership. Um, and, after this, the 2016 season, NYC had like a lot of injuries. They had a lot of um, international call-ups and they needed players because they had a they had a friendly in Mexico against Nicasa. Um, I don't know, you know, the importance of that friendly, what was behind that, whatever, but they were like really determined to go, you know, there for exposure, I guess. So they got, they brought four of us up from Wilmington to go to um, the Mexico and play. So I was there briefly. It was a great experience. You know, some of the best players I've ever, you know, witnessed and played against were were in that locker room. And I always share that story. I'm just like, at this point, I don't even care anymore. It was it was an awesome opportunity mm-hmm. for me. I'll, I'll gladly be fanboy talking about Pirlo, um, and 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 Frank Lampard and Vieira and uh, Villa and all these guys. Like it's it was, it was just a crazy experience. So six clubs in six years, basically, right? Basically, basically. Well, yeah, six and eight. So six and eight. So Phoenix, Wilmington, OKC, NCFC, Jacksonville, Loudon. Loudon. So, wow. Incredible. So as you as you went through those, what was uh, you've seen the whole gamut of from owners to support to fans to stadiums, facilities, playing styles, all those different things like what stands out to you like if you're a young pro looking to make it, what should somebody be looking for? Is it just an opportunity? Is it anywhere to, to get on the field, get your first contract? Like what from your experiences would you tell a young pro who's looking to make it? It's a tricky one because I was actually having this conversation with a young pro or a potential young pro the other day. Um, and I believe like you have, the you have like, okay, you sell route. There's a lot of different routes you can go. You can go the, like the Louisville NCFC where they care about the club and they're pushing the club and they want, you know, the club to be successful both on the pitch and, you know, from a brand perspective. And then you standalone non MLS club. Exactly. 
And then you have the, the MLS too, where it's like, they're breeding the kids to become pros, but it's, it's hit or miss, you know, cause they, they might have, you know, premature plans for you. They might have a player that they, they, they want to push or whatever it is. Um, so for every young player is different. Just, just know the situation. I think for me, I really developed at a place like Oklahoma city where I felt like I was part of the team important, like a vital player in the team, you know, um, mm -hmm. along with like, the supporters, that was a brand new club. So, you know, OKC is one of my favorite spots, but there's not a lot going on in OKC. So like the energy there was was a pretty big deal. Um, and I think that helped me feel like a pro, you know what I mean? Um, so, so a place like that is always special to me, um, near and dear to my heart. Um, I have a lot of good friends that that I've made over there, and and I still talk with like like Jimmy texted me the other day, Merry Christmas. So we, mm -hmm. we chatted. We had a, a love hate relationship, but uh, you know he's somebody that's that's definitely influent influential to my life. Um, but yeah, like like clubs like that, NCFC. I mean, they do it proper. Uh, Steve, he's he's you know making noise in all facets of the 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 game in America. And you want an owner like that. You want an owner that cares about the club and wants the club to like do well. And like, like I'm sure you guys been to to Wake Med and seen what what kind of pitch they train on every day. That just like we looking back, I'd be like, you know, we had space to complain about walking to a perfect pitch that we were training on. And mm -hmm. just looking back, I'm like, we were so spoiled. Crazy. Um, right? Yeah, crazy, crazy. Um, you know, but just I think clubs like that really helped me become a pro and feel like a pro, um, especially because the on the field product as well, we were, we were pushing for success. Mm -hmm. Like I, I know my one year in, in, in NCFC, um, like us not making the playoffs with the squad that we had changed the, changed the club. Like people were let go, like, um, you know, a lot of different changes. Davis in there are doing a pretty good job, but I'm, I remember like it was a pretty big deal at the fact that we didn't make the playoffs because we had a pretty strong roster. Um, but like clubs like that, where you have the mentality of like every game means something, every session means something. Mm -hmm. I think that's the best way to develop as a pro. Was that a place where you looked around and you were like, this isn't a normal USL club? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, my first club, Phoenix, we went bankrupt six after six months. So I was like, oh, this is this is different. Uh -huh. um, and and like I said, Oklahoma, they were an expansion club. So there was a lot of learning, learning curves. Like the first first season, we didn't do well. And, um, you know, kudos to the staff and everybody in the club. They took a step back and realized, all right, this is what we need to do. So they made a lot of changes that would not only like help us on the field, but also like attract better talent to come in mm -hmm. and um that was great on their part and then you know at ncfc you know same thing um you know the mentality for me it was like one of the best locker rooms to be a part of because you know everybody was so tight-knit and like you have that mentality barth like you know it. it's like you'll be boys but on the field it's like you'll come for your ankles like you know what i'm saying but but at the end of the day we understand what it is like i'll text any one of those boys and just say what's up and just and just you know talk turkey with them but um, yeah, I, I think those those two clubs in particular um, were very very um, you know they pushed my 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 career as a, as a professional you know in the USL because I know a lot of people in the USL they oh USL is terrible this that that another but like there are good clubs in the USL.
Mm-hmm. Hey, USA has only been in growth now. It's only yeah. Been yeah. Yeah. And I, I kind of felt like that when I was at Cincy, obviously it was like, you looked around and you're like, this is not a normal USL club. Like obviously they have plans to get to the MLS. They, they're going to do whatever they have to do to get there. And you, you know, some of the places we would even go to, you were like, wow, our club compared to this club is, is crazy, you know? And then um, I think you make a really good point, Pebo, where it's like, you take a situation like Loudon, for example, there's so many different situations on one roster. You have players who probably are, are there on the absolute minimal of contracts, maybe even, you know, I, I think they're, correct me if I'm wrong, I think some players, you know, don't even need to get paid and they're just there for the opportunity to train to see if they can fight their way in because there's no roster limits in, in USL, you know, as of this year. And then you had the academy kids coming up. Then you had, you know, players like you who are on true contracts. Then you had first team players dropping down. Like you had all these different people to a compete with, but also just, it just shows you the makeup of, of, of one roster, how different it can be depending on the club. Whereas like, you know, NCFC, maybe they don't have that, that same relationship of players dropping down and players coming up. They just have true players on a roster. Maybe there's a, a kid every now and then from, you know, the, the NCFC youth club who gets to come and train with them, but it's not like the homegrown players like Barth talked about, about they're putting together a list of guys to go and train with Loudon, you know, this spring. So it, it creates very different, scenarios right yeah definitely definitely i think just like you said when i was at ncfc we would have a few few guys come up and train with us and you know it wasn't it was on occasion um but like a club like Loudon, like that's that's normal every day mm-hmm. you, you see a different face and you're trying to learn like some of the youngest names so i i'm terrible with names but i tried my best um but it was just a, a unique situation that i think you know it is what it is. <laughs> it is yeah. what it is. Some, sometimes, like, it works. Sometimes it doesn't. And then, you know, I think that was the biggest challenge of, like, especially being captain, just to make sure the chemistry was there, making sure everybody was, you know, in it for the right reasons and trying to have the same goal in mind because, you know, Ryan would be the first one to tell you. It's like developmental team, whatever, we're, we're trying to win. That's mm-hmm. the goal is to win something. Sure. Um, and unfortunately, you know, not everybody understands that concept, like, he understands it coming from a place like, you know, probably his philosophy and then also coming from a place like Cincy and then just the places that I've been as well. It's like, yo, doesn't matter who's on the field. You have to try to win. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's different for, for guys who haven't necessarily been to places like that before, you know? Sure. And Barth, I think for you, in my mind, the top tier of division one soccer, the top, you know, consistent top 10 teams, you know, probably the majority of the ACC, those are like pro environments in my mind. And I would throw Akron in there, you know, I would throw Georgetown probably in there. It's cyclical, right? Every few years, it's a, it's a little different with who's in that top tier, but Akron certainly has been in there for a long time. And I think it's like a pro environment. So I, I don't know what else, you know, you can throw in there from that culture, that environment, Caleb's mentality, Jared's mentality, but also the, foreign experiences and some of the professional experiences you've had um i think you can offer a lot there too yeah the, the pro environment that we had at at akron for sure 100 like like people talked about we would all be boys but we all knew we were fighting for that we had a hashtag but we still have a hashtag at akron second star right we wanted to get that second star in our chest um which was a national championship um the environment was 
again, like coming from Gardner Webb to there, just to, it's so much different, right? At Gardner Webb, you would train at 4.30 or 5.30 after classes, after a long day, whereas at Akron, you know, you have, there's no classes in the fall. You, you can't, unless if it's absolutely like, you know, desperate for your major, you don't schedule classes before 1 p.m. because the whole morning is what we devoted to soccer, whether it was film, training, or weights, right? That, that alone already makes a huge difference um, in, in your day, right? Instead of having- You feel like a pro. You, yeah. Your, your morning yeah, exactly. is your pro. Yeah, you don't wake up, go to class, have lunch, you know, take a big nap, like go through all this and then just to train at four or five o'clock when your day is like over pretty much. Um, whereas in Akron, that's the first thing you're worried about from anywhere yeah. between um, anything before one o'clock, it's, it's soccer, right? No classes, no, no, nothing is just soccer. Um, I think some, some to throw in that I want to throw in there too, is like, that's not possible at every school. No like a school like Wake Forest was who I think was one of the best professional environments I've seen. It was so small. It was only like, you know, 4,000 kids. So there wasn't as many classes offered. So yeah. the, the students and the, 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 you know, the coaches didn't have that, that luxury at a school, a state school like Akron, 25,000 students, there's more classes offered. There's more flexibility with stuff like that. Maybe the athletic department works with the faculty, you know, more to make, create more flexibility. But I think it's just worth noting that that's not possible at every school. Actually, when I was at Ohio state, I was kind of scratching my head about that. I was like, there's 45,000 kids that go to school here. We can't find a way to make this, you know, you know, more professional in different ways. Like we can't find a way to, to train at 10 o'clock or 12 o'clock or something like that. Like, cause it takes a lot out of you too. When you show up to training at four 30, even as a college kid, yeah. you sleep in till, you know, noon, if you don't have a class or you get up at seven 30 for 8 AM, then you go back to bed. You just, you just become like a sloth. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's the prof- professional environment they created. There is, is really something to something pretty cool, but go on yeah. Barth. Yeah, so in addition to that, um, when it came to, to playing and winning, like people talked about, our coach did not care. Jared Embig doesn't care who's on the pitch. He doesn't care who you're playing against. He doesn't care if you're part of the quote-unquote first team or second team. He doesn't care if it's a spring game against a third-division school team. He wants to win every single game. And when you have a, a coach like that with that mentality – not only does he want to win every single game, he wants to implement his style of play in every single game. So that's where he distinguished who can be a pro and who cannot is do you have the ability to, you know, to display what, he, what you're taught during training, right? And that just trickled down until to the very first guy who walked into the building, freshman, um, freshman um, kids, right? So during captain practices, that's how it was, 4v4 plus 4, whether it was 4v4, 5v5. Everybody had this mentality, like, I don't care who you are, we're winning and we always talk trash to each other. We always got into each other's faces, but as soon as we hit the locker room, it's a different story. That's training is over. Right. And then if we were to ever lose, when we did lose, there's, you can have, you can hear a pin drop in the locker room. Even if it's one game, like we could go off, we can be 11 and 0 and lose that first game. Like that's the difference. Whereas, you know, other places, it's not like that. And just from speaking with other people and speaking with other friends that, you know, that went to different school, they would tell you, oh yeah, after we lost the game, you know, we, we went out, we got drinks, we went, not. Nah. Akron was a, a part where like, as soon as you got home, you know, players, players wouldn't mess around. It's like, hey, like we have training tomorrow. 
if, if one person slipped up, we all got on that person because we were, especially in the fall, it's like we're together to get that second start. And if you're not part of it, you got left out. There's people that got kicked out of the team because they just, they weren't bought in. Um, so that's what I can speak for that environment because that environment, again, like, you know, people laugh at me because I like talking about that. But like I said, coach, like when you and I speak sometimes, you talk about Wake Forest, man. Wake Forest is a different place. Akron is a different place. It's just, there's just places like that. There's levels to this. That's like when you come out of there, your mind is just blown, especially with what you've experienced, you yeah. know, in, in the past. Yeah, and that's that's kind of why I went to, uh, you know, I jumped around a few different coaching stops, and I went from I was at had a few Division three coaching opportunities. Then I went to Ohio State because I wanted a Division one opportunity. But when I was at um, Emory and Henry, the small Division three school in Virginia, I was a head coach for two years, and I thought it was a really good opportunity, you know, to do things on my own and start to make the decisions on my own. But I realized when I was there, I was only an hour and a half from wake. So I would drive over whenever I had the opportunity. Some days I'd finish training with my group and then I'd drive to wake to watch like a night session. And then, you know, I would sleep on Ryan Martin's couch. I would just be there. I'd, I'd watch a session and then they'd have another session in the morning. So I'd, I'd you know, grab dinner with him catch up, talk football, and then the next sleep on his couch. And the next morning I'd watch another session. Then I'd go back to Emory and Henry. And I did that for two years, basically. So I, I just, I got to see wake up close and personal. They opened the doors to me for all their training sessions. You know, I'd go and watch games. I'd work their camps over the summer, all because in my opinion, Jay Vidovich was doing things different than anybody else in the country. Mm-hmm. He was, you know, he, it was, it was like watching pros they were not training like a college team. The, the sessions were better than anything I had ever seen. Uh, the coaching points, the mentality, how competitive it was, the quality of the players. Players were leaving, you know, early to go to, to sign professional contracts, you know, Colin Martin, Jalen Robinson. And then it was just like, they would just bring the next group in, Ja'Cory Hayes, Ian Harks, Raphael Fagundo. And they, you know, it, it was just incredible to me. But it was also incredible to see like how how similar Akron and Wake were in a lot of ways in terms of like what they were trying to accomplish and how they were going back and forth. You know, who's the best team in the country? Who's the best style of play? And you might have a couple others you could throw into that conversation. But you know, I had a summer I had a summer circuit where I went from Wake camp to uh, Akron camp you know, to Indiana camp, I just did like the whole circuit and I was meeting all these coaches and seeing, you know, their style. And even at the camps, they were putting how competitive the camps were, how they tiered uh-huh. the camps, how they found, you know, players from the camps. I was like, this is crazy. But- and it, it was just incredible to me. But then, you know, they would also take trips together, these coaching staffs, they would get together and they would go to Spain to go watch, you know, Marcelo Bielsa and Athletic Bilbao, or they would go to watch, you know, any access they could get, they would go and travel the world. And that wasn't normal to me. I was like, this isn't normal for college soccer coaches to take it this serious, you know, and like to, to, to go at it like this. But I think that's why those guys elevated to the level that they were on. And, you know, now Jay Vidovich is with Pitt and Caleb just won another MLS championship with, with Columbus and Jared's, you know, continuing to, to push things at Akron. I know he's had some opportunities as well. And you look at Ryan now, Ryan's a head coach of, of Loudon, you know, and, and I'm selling, you know, title insurance. So <laughs> everybody's <laughs> doing their own thing. But, um, 
yeah, it's weird, man. It's uh, it's it's just really cool to see those environments. It's pretty cool. It's funny you talk about camp because when I when I was at Akron, you know, during the summertime, I don't know about you people, but our coaching staff found every single possible way. If there was any possible, if there was a window to get better, he made sure we took advantage of that. Oh, window. it's incredible. Like I, I think I now that I think about it, coach, we've talked about this in the past. I, I, I vividly remembered you when you were on our turf field mm-hmm. during the Akron camp. And in between sessions of, of, of camps, right, people, if you were working camp, you were training. Because mm-hmm. they time, were allowed to have a training session. It was yeah. a window to get a training session. And at nighttime, we, you know, that's why we always, we always had kids come back during camp. We took that time to play 11 v 11. And that's when we would walk them, all the Europeans or all the freshmen to like, hey, this is not no joke. This is accurate. And that's, that's what happened to me the first time when I got there. Man, when I got there, people were bragging about like the beat test scores. I knew I was in a different place. Mm-hmm. Like, you didn't want to beat you. And I'm like, who brags about beat test? <laughs> yeah. I, you so know, I, I, I remember. I wanted to be fit. And yeah. I was not fit. And I, I think that's what, it's the moment I got to Akron, I was not fit. And from there, I, I dug a hole for myself and I had to get out, get out from, from then. And then senior year, when I was really fit, it was night and day in terms of my opportunities when it came down because the coach was like, look, if you can't really, if you can't be fit for training, how am I, how am I like something that you can control? How can mm-hmm. I trust you? Sure. The game, you know, just that little thing. That's the type of, you know, mindset and environment that, that, that we were in, man. I remember uh, Caleb and Jared, I think did it as well, where they, they would put together the best campers and they would let them play the Akron team for like a 80 minute game. And they told right. him if you can if you can beat them you can get your tuition back for camp, right. mm-hmm. and it, it, they you guys smacked them every time. But I remember one time like Zarek Valentin was like messing around in the game, and Caleb and him started yelling at each other during the game because he wasn't taking the game seriously, you know. And like then Zarek, you know, kind of laughed it off and got serious again, and ended up you know scoring like three goals or something. But it was very serious there for a moment where it was like Caleb was going to have to pay the tuition back or just the mentality was slipping of the players. Right. And that's what I, just little things like that, coach, they put that in place for competitiveness, right? Like, yeah. Look, no, it's great. Dope. One time I remember we were down one, nothing against the campers at halftime. And mm-hmm. let me tell you, man, Jerry was not happy. This mm-hmm. man was, I was like, we can't be the first group to lose against campers and have them get their money back. Yeah. Right. Obviously, we're trying to be paying tech. for it. You'd be doing work study <laughs> to make it up. Exactly. Yeah. That just puts that in perspective of how competitive they are. Um, but in, in addition to that, you know, my European experience, like I never signed a pro contract, uh, but it was just so competitive. I, um, I've been on two trials in Sweden. One of them was for, for AIK Stockholm, which is IECO. Um, they, they, they play in Europa League now and then. Uh, great environment. When I was there, they sent me to a Division Two team called, or Division Three, or two. It's called um, Silentuna. Um, I was there for, I was in Sweden for roughly like four to five months, if not six, something like that. And the following year, I went to to Finland in Helsinki, where I was on trial with um, HJK Helsinki. Um, and then there was it was also very competitive. Like I went there by myself this time. And after training, I get back in, in my apartment. There was another guy, a 27 year old Nigerian guy who had just came from um, from playing down in Mexico. And prior to that, he was playing in Finland. And I was only 18 years old at the time, or 19. So it's like, do we sign a 19 year old kid who's, who plays 
Division One soccer in America, or it was kind of an experienced 27, 20 year old kid who has you know who's had who has time in, in this in this game already. Um, so I was also there for about five months during mm-hmm. my time. But it's night and day from here to over there because there, man, I was playing with kids who were 16 years old, 17 years old. I was starting in that environment because that's all they did. Mm-hmm. Right? Like I, I remember I was going to train him with a 17-year-old guy and a 21-year-old guy. And the 17-year-old guy, I asked him, I said, hey, like, are you not in school? He's like, man, first of all, here, like, we finished school at 16 years old. And then second of all, if you want to play soccer, you're finishing school at 14 years old. That's the only thing on your mind. Like, I would never forget that. That's what he told me. Um, the, the kid now plays at uh, Aston Villa Academy, all U23s now, because he was 17 then. Um, but that just shows you the mentality, man. Like there, it's only soccer. Whereas here, like at that age, you're playing maybe, you know, back then or even now, you know, kids are still playing two or three different sports, like basketball, football at 14, 15 years old, when it's like, that's the time you should spend the next two or three years of your life sure. to get your contract at 17, 18 years old. Sure. Yeah. It seems to me, you guys tell me, and we'll wrap it up here soon, but it seems to me like it's trending further and further away from elite players going to college, right? Like you look at just East United, Donovan went to Maryland for three years, right? But yeah. he's the yeah. last one, I think, that of the homegrowns at DC that's gone to college. You got Griff, didn't go to college. Uh, you have um, Moses, didn't go to college. KP, Greeny, all these guys, you know, didn't go to college, signed homegrown contracts. So I think the elite of the elite – are choosing to not go to college or they'll go the European route even before they'll um, go to college, but there's always going to be college soccer. Right. But maybe it just won't include those elite of the elite. So do you guys see it trending that way as well? Or do you guys think that, you know, players are rushing into these decisions to, to sign homegrown contracts or USL contracts, things like that. I think it's a good pathway as long as you're being true to yourself as a player right so um i've seen guys see you know see the pathway of you know one of their former teammates teammates whatever get signed homegrown or whatever it is and want to follow that path just because that's their aspiration with that being said you know every player is different you got to be true to yourself your your situation might be you go to college for one year and then you get you get drafted or whatever because i still think from my knowledge the, the draft is still you can still pick up gems mls teams still pick up gems Mm-hmm. Um, but I do, I do think that I do agree with you. And I think that like n- the norm is now the elite players aren't even going to school anymore. They're going homegrown overseas, whatever it is. Um, and you see a lot of, you know, um, teams and, and, you know, camps doing it right in terms of like having that process of developing them to, to send them off. Um, and I think that's important too, because like you gotta be diligent with the whole, you know, players that age because you can easily make or break them hype is a real thing so i think i think it's a good pathway as long as you're being true and you're being diligent about it yeah i think it's kind of what you said about west virginia too people it's like he marlon had a path laid out for you the same thing applies to when you're looking at a um a professional op- opportunity it's well what's the path for me am i going to just be on the roster and not play is there a developmental team is there a loan whatever it might be because like Loudon's truly like a it's like a loan that's only 45 minutes away, right? We're going to loan you out to Loudon for the weekend to get you a game. You're going to train with them, maybe with DC two times this week, Loudon two times, and then you're going to play a game with Loudon because 
you're not projected to play this weekend with DC. So it's like, if that setup is there for you to still get minutes, then I think it also really makes sense. Or like KP's playing right now with the first team. So like that one clearly made sense. It's like he's, he's Moses first team minutes, Donovan first team minutes, but just in case they also have Loudon there. So it's like, what is that path? Um, and does it make sense or does it make more sense to go to college where you're definitely going to be challenged in different ways, you know? So I don't know. But what do you think, Barth? We talk about the, the MLS draft a little bit because that's where to me, um, I find it iffy where it's like, you know, if you're going to college, like people say, oh, I'm going to go to college to get drafted, but does the draft really mean anything? Let's, like, let's be honest, right? The draft is just like, hey, I just want to, my first shot at this kid to come to trial. Mm-hmm. Everybody's yeah, an invite to preseason for most yeah, of them, right? I definitely, I, I think that it needs to be, like that draft process needs to be updated. Like I'm not too hip with like how things work to a T, but like, mm-hmm. I think there could be a better way to do it. Well, I think this will probably like, be a year where, where you'll see that, right? This will be a year where, because there wasn't hardly any college soccer this fall, you know, how are they going to really have a draft this, this yeah. winter? So this now will probably I, be a year where you'll see that change if I had to guess. We have the NBA and the, in, in the, um, the NBA and the NFL and NHL, you know, those kids, they know, like, if they get drafted, they're guaranteed a contract. It's not the same thing in MLS. Like, you're not guaranteed any contract. You're not guaranteed anything. And I think that's why a lot of kids are starting to take the, you know, the pro route, coach, because you go to college at, at 18, 19 years old, you spend two years there. You're about, you know, 19, 20, 21 years, old, depending on how late, you know, you get into college. And at that time, it's like, Man, I'm 20 years old, 19, 20 years old nowadays because football is very young, right? You're going to go to – you get drafted. You know, what are the chances that a team actually takes you while you just play college? Whereas there's a higher chance of a, of a team taking you if you're 18, 19, 20 years old playing Division two somewhere, right? Because think, you're yeah. not in environment. Well, I think you also have to look at the motivations to go to college, right? Like for mm-hmm. some players, there's a motivation because they really want the education. I really want to get the education that a college offers. Some people just want the college experience. How many, how many people, you know, truly say I'm going to go to college to develop as a, as a footballer and how right. many, how many college programs can, can really do that for players, you know? So it's that like, goes back to your tier, your tier comment, you know, there's, there's levels like, I'm sure going to Akron or going to Wake for a year or two is, is beneficial than going to some USL or professional teams like for some mm-hmm. players. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. No, so that's a that's a that's a big one too. Well, um, anything you guys want to try to plug today? Uh people, I know you got some projects you're working on. Anything you want everybody to be aware of? Yeah, no, we uh we're launching a 2021 uh Q1 for homegrown. Um trying to get Barth on deck, but he keeps leaving me all red. <laughs> I'm glad I got you up here now. But now we've been we've been uh we've been just getting stories on a few players. We did a story with Joe Jow last week, uh Josh Fawale. Um just you know, some light stuff. Um Josh has got like his clothing brand, apparel brand that he's launched. Um we think it's pretty dope how like athletes are also doing other stuff um, you know, off the field, whether it's like clothing or art or you know, different creativity creations and stuff like that. So we want to capture those stories um it's at homegrown h-m-e-g-r-w-n um on instagram but yeah no we just we're just trying to stay busy and try to create things uh while we live the corporate life right now mm-hmm. i know Barth, Barth, no, Barth, i'm in i'm in uh, there with you guys right now man so keep the mind fresh man keep the mind fresh yeah barth anything for you yeah absolutely right uh <clears throat> nothing crazy for me i mean you know I'm, i've been fortunate enough uh from you coach last show you know giving me the chance 
oh, was it two years ago now? Nearly two years ago now, yeah, giving me a chance to, to hop in into the coaching world, um, you know, because that's my path. Like, eventually, if there's a dream job for me, it's to be a technical director um, or a coach. So, you know, you giving me the opportunity to be your assistant at the academy last year has propelled me to where I'm at right now. Um, so, obviously, currently, the, the U17 with Coach Gus, I'm his assistant. And then with the U16s, um, they've, they're pretty much giving me charge of that and, and leading those guys. So, um, nothing much. I mean, well I, I did, I'm sorry. They're well-deserved. Thank you. Thank you. Nothing yeah. official, but, you know, they're, they're starting to trust me a little bit more and, and you know, taking their hands off of allowing me to, to prosper, make mistakes. So, it's, it's always a great thing whenever you have the opportunity um, to lead a, a group of guys. So, I'm, I'm thankful for that. Um, I was able to create an, an Instagram account, um, you know, with my initials, not the Black Lives Matter, but my Barth Luther Mafia initials. Yeah, it's um, B, it's at BLM Soccer, um, you know, where I'm just sharing stories of my of my journey as a young coach to, to hopefully make it one day. And, um, you know, also in that in, in my early stages, I'm still I'm also doing like individual training sessions as well as. Uh, group training sessions, and that's what people was talking about. He's going to be out, you know, putting my story there on blast sometime very soon here. Um, so in case you guys are looking for a one-on-one training session, or if you guys have like a couple of guys you want to get together and you need some some help, uh, feel free to reach out to, to myself or Coach Kish. At Coach Kish, again, my, my at, at and Instagram is BLM Soccer. Um, but just started. Um, that's about it, Coach. Other than Corporate America, I'm glad I'm still, I still have my foot yeah. in. So I'll, do, me, hit me up about those, uh... I'll do the hard sell for Bart. If you want to get better at football, hit him up, man. Hit him up. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is. Yeah, he's, so it, he's great on the field. So, no, I uh, I appreciate the uh, the time, guys. Bart, you let me know about those uh, those title orders as soon as you, uh, <laughs> as soon as you have those. And, uh, no, yeah. I think the perspective you guys offered today was uh, incredible. Just to, for young players to hear it from you guys. Uh, who lived it I think sometimes it makes things click you know and hit home even more so uh, appreciate the time and um, enjoy the day